All right, welcome to another segment of Let's Talk UNRV on KUNV. You with co-host Keith and Tanya. But I'm excited with our guest today. We have the pleasure of having uh, Arnold Vasquez, who's the assistant director of UNRV Police or University Police Service. I'm still getting used to the new structure myself. I'm an old timer. And we're just going to be talking about today just safety on campus in particular, uh, safety on campus with um, University Police Department. Sounds great. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's great to be a uh, part of the family, if you will. I was uh, a former UNLV student back in the early 90s. Yeah. Okay. I had a little uh, dating myself a little bit there, but uh, uh, coming back home yeah, nice. has been great. And I've, I've been really See, excited we, to be a part of the We probably crossed paths. I was a student walking around campus. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> probably not doing everything I should have been doing as a student, <laughs> but you know, in the, in the mid, well, mid, late 90s. I'm sure we were, all, we were in the same boat then, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, just, you know. Uh, it was a great campus uh, then. It is today. It's grown so much over the years, and uh, mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun being here. I'm excited. Well, see, you're, you're another one. I label us as sticky. <clears throat> we get okay. here as students, and you can't get rid of us. You know, <laughs> we end up here as professional employees. Right. But I wanted to get you get us started by just asking sort of what's your origin story in terms of, you know, how you ended up here in this position at UNLV. Okay. Uh, sure. Well, actually, um, I'm retired um, from law enforcement in California. So I retired last mm-hmm. year. I was a lieutenant for Santa Cruz uh, City Police Department. Uh, I retired after 22 years there. And um, law enforcement has been a great profession for me. Um, when I came to UNLV right out of school, I started working in the casino industry and ultimately uh, wanted to pursue law enforcement, be a a police officer. And so that led me to California, which is where I I went and uh, eventually came back after retirement. There was always a plan of mine to come back to Las Vegas. I just love the climate. I know that sounds crazy. Some people might not necessarily agree with that, but I really do love it. And um, through the course of that, after I retired, came back to Las Vegas uh, with family and friends and after sitting out for a little bit, um, I wasn't quite ready to be away from the work and the, and the profession. I really still wanted, I still had that desire and passion to, to give back to the community. And I've always been very much involved in working with youth. And uh, for instance, I was a high school baseball coach for about 11 years. So um, just really being around uh, the education piece of the community. And uh, when I saw this position available, I went after it. And here I am. So had a great opportunity meet with uh, Director Garcia and felt that uh, he was somebody and his family of, of, of folks over at University Police Services was somebody I could get get behind and, and help uh, move the needle forward and what we're trying to accomplish here. See, I listened to Arnold. I, I chose the <laughs> wrong profession. We were at UNLV together as students. Now, he's retired. And it sounds like he took a break from after he retired before he in this second career yeah. here at UNLV. So I, I missed a step. I, I missed um, a step. So. Well, I think, I think you're on a pretty good path yourself. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, you know, I think, it's, I think for some people it takes a while to find your calling. And it sounds like you found your calling, like you knew that you wanted to do service, and right. you found your calling right out the gate. And once you find your calling, then you're just that much closer to getting through right. the work that you have to do. Right. So it's, it's okay, you know. So there's still hope for me? <laughs> Absolutely. I, and I feel like you, you are called to do this work, um, whether you realize it or not. 
And well, I'm, I'm attracted to the retirement, the big <laughs> R word. That's well, I do have to admit, you know, um, it sounds great. And through the middle of my career, I was thinking, you know what, once I'm, once I'm out, I'm out. That's the end of it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you really start to feel that fire and that passion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm 50 years old. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm still still young enough to to be able to do things, and I still felt like I had something left in the tank. So, um, it was just something where I said, "I'm not I'm not ready to go yet. I want to do something." You get a little bored, believe it or not. Um, being at my age, I start to call some of my friends and family and say, "Hey, let's go play some golf." Well, they're all still working, mm-hmm. which yeah. uh, and they can't. So I find myself uh, kind of just trying to do do things to keep myself busy on my own for the most part but but it's been great it reminds me a lot of the military yeah you know because they start so young then they end so young and then so that so it's almost like a second career right so i think what what i hear you saying is that you you this was just phase one right and you weren't quite done with doing everything that you wanted to do so you shifted into phase two yeah i've heard that we have up to like four different careers in our lifetime you know so you shift I guess we grow and evolve. That makes that makes complete sense. So, but I too am attracted to the R word. <laughs> but I hear you. Um, Understood. Yeah, it's got its pros and its cons, like anything else in life. It certainly does. Um, I'm still really active. I got kids, um, 13 and 11, at home. So nice chasing them around at school and getting them to sporting events has been a lot of work too. So, so I I want to say that you know um so I work in caps. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a relationship with the police department in CAPS. This is wonderful to help support our students, especially students in crisis. Right. So I am really glad that you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the questions that I want to ask is, and also live in, I also work in Dayton. I say live, oh, gracious. Okay. I, I also work in Dayton as a counselor, so I'm embedded within the freshman community. Great. So I'm just curious as to what are some safety practices that we would like students to know either as they arrive or as they matriculate through the system? Um, well, I mean, when I think of, to answer that question, I, I don't necessarily believe that it is solely uh, from a law enforcement or a p- police perspective. I think that um, a, lot of, a lot of kids, um, and most of the time as freshmen, you, you know, leaving home for the first time, um, you know, it is a difficult transition. And I think that it really becomes a multifaceted approach you know, some of the services that you provide from your from your end and counseling and providing those resources and guidance for, for students um, to make that transition is a big piece of it. Um, from our standpoint, that's one piece. From our standpoint, law enforcement, you know, we're there to primarily probably break the barrier, if you will, kind of break down those walls of, you know, this is, you know, I, I wear a uniform and I have a badge. And sometimes that's a little intimidating for for kids, you know, and for the public in general, quite honestly. Um, But for us, um, it's really having that community outreach. And part of that is reaching out to some of those students and educating them as to what our role is to help keep them safe on campus and let them know that we're not only there to come in, if you will, and save the day from evil, but also to be that resource, that friend, that somebody that they can lean on to say, hey, I'm experiencing this particular issue or this problem. Can you guide me in the right direction as to where I need to go? So um, I think for for some of the incoming students, it's about you know taking the time to educate themselves and wrap their mind around the fact that it is a, it is going to be a transition from home, even if they live local and they're now here. 
um, you know, mom and dad or aunt and uncle or whoever it was that, that raised them, they're, they're a little bit further away. And so they need to learn to rely on other resources and not just try and accomplish it, that transition themselves. And I hope I answered your question on that. But I, I do believe that it really is a team effort from all aspects and not just from a law enforcement or a crime prevention. It's, uh, you know, all these other services that are available to students that they might not be familiar with or even know are available to them. You're right. A lot of these students are not just new to campus or new to Vegas. This is an open campus. There are a lot more people engaging with them, and mm -hmm. um, they may not necessarily know how to uh, move about campus in ways that are safe, like, you know, attending to their environment. They may not know what opportunities and offers are available through the university police services around um escorting them to their car sure. or where the different safety apparatus are. So sure. I was wondering if you would take this opportunity to educate the masses on the things that are, are, are in place to help students feel safe and secure and to include yourselves as not just um, crime fighters, if you will, sure. but also collaborators and partners to help right. them to navigate this new world that they're in. Okay. Um, well, some of the things that we do have in place um, – you know, we take great pride in being able to um, have deterrence, if you will, or some sort of investigative tools such as surveillance cameras at some of the main thoroughfares and things that might help us solve crime on the back end. Uh, but also um, what is different for me working at University Police Services is we also have dispatchers who are able to monitor those from time to time. Um, ideally, they're trying to monitor them as often as they possibly can, but they can pick up on some things that might be happening that haven't been quite yet reported yet. So it gives us an opportunity to be proactive in that regard. Um, so that, that's one piece. But for the students, you know, um, throughout the campus, we have a network of emergency cell um, phones, which um, can reach our dispatch center. Um, they, if there's, um, and they're kind of networked throughout high traffic, pedestrian traffic areas throughout the, the campus. Um, and they're clearly marked. Um, there's, that's something that students can use to report a crime, um, contact law enforcement for some help, uh, request uh, an escort, as you mentioned, um, because sometimes some classes go late. It gets dark at 4.30 or 5 these days, and before you know it, you're walking through campus or getting out to your car, and it's, it's, it's pretty dark out. So they can stop if they don't have cell phone access and actually – make those phone calls and make those requests and they're strategically placed throughout the campus, which is, which is critical and, and a, a great thing for us to have an asset. Um, on top of that, we do have, um, we do have, I, in my opinion, a robust website with a ton of information, which uh, has a ton of links to a lot of different things, um, such as, you know, requesting um, types of trainings or be able to attend certain trainings, such as uh, self-defense, um, there's also uh, learn things about active assailant. So not that students would necessarily be completely engaged in that, but if they wanted to attend something or they wanted some more information on that, they could, they could certainly look into that. Um, our Rebel Safe app, which can be downloaded on uh, Google Play or through uh, Apple iTunes, um, that is a, is a great resource. The one thing that I thought was really cool on this is that um, at night or at any time if you're walking – and you're walking alone and you feel a little bit, a little bit insecure or whatever the, might, the case might be, or you're just not sure, 
you can actually log your GPS location oh. and we will track you until you get to your destination. Okay. And so that's actually a really cool thing. And it's on the rebel safe app. Um, along with some of the other things that I mentioned, like, um, getting, um, escorts to your vehicle or escorts to your, your, um, your student uh, housing area or whatever it might be. Uh, so those are some of the things that come to mind for me, um, that we do have in place. Uh, not to mention, you know, we do uh, take great pride in collaborating not only with uh, other departments here on, on the university, but also with our local law enforcement partners and um, just being able to be present, being able to be available um, out on campus, but also around campus as well. Those are a lot of really great resources. I did not know about the tracking feature. That was wonderful. Yeah, I, I didn't know about it either. And when I started looking into it, and this was some, you know, some time ago, um, I thought that was a really cool feature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was on campus late the other night and, you know, maybe it was one too many Harry Potters. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, it's so dark because yeah. it does. It gets dark really quickly. Right, and um, because the holiday season is coming up, there's less people on campus. Right. And next thing you know, it's you, yourself and you walking back to your <laughs> exactly. car. So I appreciate having those additional safety of features course. in place. Yeah. And then I know you talked about self-defense classes. Could you talk a little bit about the girls on guard? Self-defense class? Sure. Um, again, that's a self-defense class that we provide. And one of the things that is uh, important to note is is um, along from the, you want to call it the physical piece of it, you know, being able to learn the basic skills to defend yourself or, um, you know, fight off an attacker or an assailant in any given situation. Um, one of the things that it really stresses, too, is just being aware of your surroundings and just taking those preventative measures and trying to, first and foremost, avoid the situation if at all possible, right? So if you have an opportunity to walk with somebody to a certain location, if you have an opportunity to uh, kind of partner up with uh, a friend or whatnot um, when you go out for the evening, those are, uh, those are critical things to do and those are things that we shed light on that help us to, to get the message across and educate folks. You know, so that that is a big component of Girls on Guard. So you mean that it's not okay to be out at night with my headphones on, jamming in the streets alone while walking on campus? Well, it, it's okay, but it, do, it doesn't mean, necessarily mean it's the safest thing to do, right? Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, the, so those are a lot of things that, you know, we do bookend a lot of that training with. On the, and I know when you think self-defense, people initially just jump to the physical piece of it, mm -hmm. fighting and how to do this and, and do that. But the truth of it is, is kind of taking those preventative measures and approach and that mentality prior to uh, any given situation. It's a part of so it. So is there like a, a reoccurring schedule when those classes are offered or do you have to call to request? So um, we are working with um, trying to set up the schedules um, and have them predetermined. However, they are available. Um, should we get... Um, you know, uh, enough requests for them. Um, currently, I think that uh, we're looking at having them um, starting up again in January when the school session starts again. Um, but that date uh, hasn't particularly been assigned yet. Um, but the idea is to have them scheduled, pre-scheduled throughout the year. Um, and then we'll also uh, schedule them as, as people make requests. I hear a workshop opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> Coming Anytime. Up. Yet another thing we can collaborate yeah. on. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I, you know what you said, which is which I which resonates with me is situational awareness. Right. 
you want to be aware of your of your situation, where mm-hmm. you're going, what you're doing, so that you can keep yourself safe. Because safety, safety is avoiding the threat, not just defending against exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. So I really like that idea a lot. Um, so how do you how I know that you so were you recruited? Is that how? Officers are, are assigned. Do do you get recruited? Do for the most part, yes. Okay. Um, f- you know, for me, I again, it was a little. My situation was a little bit different. Um, so I just happened to kind of um, come across the job posting and meeting uh, Director Garcia by happenstance. So it wasn't. Uh, so my my situation was a little unique. But for the most part, for for what we try to do to recruit is um, we, we do the best we can to try to attend as many job fair, um, career fair type of opportunities throughout the year. And there's a, there's a ton of them throughout the Valley. Um, you know, I work with Haley Foster, um, who actually does an exceptional job of publicizing us. Um, she, she, you know, manages those things. And in fact, I do have a, a little thing that I want to meet with her on and, and updating our website a little bit so we can kind of make those links to... Um, to the job posting and the application process much easier. Um, but really what it comes down to is we need to put our name out there and we need to have our brand because in law enforcement, it's really difficult to recruit, uh, period. Um, the desire, unfortunately, to go into law enforcement, I don't think is what it was back when I was looking to go into law enforcement. So we have to be really creative. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, aside from the obvious, like career uh, and job fairs, attending those. It's also um, kind of the the whole mentality for our officers to understand that each and every one of the, the officers or any employee of University Police Services, and for that matter, I will challenge all of you, being part of UNLV, um, you are all recruiters. You are all helping to get people in the door for us and talk about who we are and what we try to do here. So um, little ideas such as getting that word out, providing officers with recruitment cards to be able to hand out to people. Um, You know, uh, we have uh, certain platforms that we do try to post on, such as Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to try and get the word out and and offer those those pieces to come work for us. Are you TikToking? Any TikToking going on in the <laughs> So we we do, but I'm not a big TikToker. Okay. Um, you know, but uh, I, I do know that it's a pretty big hit. And, it, you know, that's just my style. I, w- I was never a, a big uh, social media type yeah. of person. But from time to time, I do have fun with it. But that, you know, th- those are all things that we do also need to do is we, we need to evaluate, you know, where our market is at and what they're, what they're pinging on. And um, if it's TikTok, then... We're going to do something to get people in the door through TikTok. My my initial thought is just, you know, you speak about being in places. I think it's just humanizing the role. Yeah. You know, um, is introducing people to the idea that you we're people. Right. You know, regardless of our career. So um, we will be on the lookout to invite you to things that we do so that you can just I hope you do. And I be in the mix. I'm going to hold you to that. You know, the yeah. one thing I've always said to people over the course of my career is my name is Arnold. You know, that's who I am. And behind this uniform and this badge and this vest that I wear every day, I'm a person just like anybody else. And Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. No one is, you know, but I try to be. And so those are the things that we we really need to try and convey to to people. And with your help, we can do that. Wonderful. And then relatedly, could you talk a little bit about how that influences how the 
work gets done or how you interact with the university community to keep all sure. of us safe? Sure. Well, I'll give it, I'll give it my best shot. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, in essence, uh, that statement alone it might be different for different people. Um, for me, what it means is, um, you know, law enforcement has changed over the course of my career. When I started, uh, I got hired in 99 and, um, you know, just coming through those two decades of my career, they changed immensely, especially when, uh, computers became a little bit more mainstream, cell phones became a part of, of life. Uh, I remember when I started, uh, we were issued beepers, pagers. You, I don't know if anybody remembers those. And we also were given Polaroids to you know, take photos at crime scenes. So technology really changed law enforcement. And I think when you talked about impactful science, I think it's really about, um, for me, interpreting how we can do our job in diff- from a different perspective and evaluating all of those data points that we get from contacts in the community, from the types of uh, calls for service that we get, um, all of those things that kind of help us allocate our resources and maybe try and identify a deficiency that we're not providing at the moment to try and to, to have a higher level of service. So to me, that's what that um, value essentially means. Um, and like I said, it's changed incredibly over the last few decades that I've been a police officer, and it's going to continue to change. Could you talk a little bit about how serving this role is different when you're sort of partnering with institutions of higher education versus normal police work in, you know, just general communities? It's interesting through my selection process for assistant director for university police services, that was one of the main questions that came up for me uh, because I was a municipal police officer working in a city, you know, when you're dealing primarily with the types of crimes that occur in any type of a city and and activity. And and so it is different, very different. Um, So being involved in law enforcement within an institution I think that it is probably the most ideal situation for a law enforcement officer simply because of what it, what I just mentioned a minute ago. There's so many other tools and resources available to find that solution to any problem or, or situation. When you work on the street in a city, you have primarily just the law. You might have some assistance from county services through mental health and, and things like that. Um, but when it comes to when it comes down to it, it's really are we going to arrest this person? Or are we going to give them a ticket? And that's pretty much it. Those are your only options. Here working for an institution, you have these tools on your tool belt, if you will, that are far beyond what I'm carrying today. It's, you know, my ability to pick up a phone or send you an email and say, "Hey, we encountered this issue. What are your thoughts? How can you how can you help me out to try and help them out, or can we work together? So I think that that's really the big thing with the the Office of Student Conduct and Student Affairs, um, you know, CAPS, and some of these other um, entities on campus within the institution are just I think by far the biggest difference, and really I think one of our, our I guess um, our hidden gems, if you will. For, for us. You know, I've, I've always said um, in my profession, 
You know, um, everybody has a lot of different opinions about law enforcement and police officers, but really we're just problem solvers. And that's what we really try to do. And I know that we're not alone in that. Um, but when it comes down to it, having those additional resources helps us come up with those solutions. So. Great. And then I also saw on the website where you have student employment opportunities. Could you talk about what types of student worker positions are available? Yeah. In the department? I th- I, um, actually, in um, the student the student employment piece, I think, is is huge because um, um, it introduces folks, and we're talking about recruitment, to people that, you know, re- introduces them to a profession they may or may not have really been interested in. Or who knows? Maybe they were interested in and can determine at that point maybe it isn't for them, which is also not a bad thing, right? So, um, but those are, those are great. Um, we have some positions such as the front desk. Um, that are kind of, you know, uh, meeting with being essentially the face of our department, um, getting to know and interact with people who come in the door and kind of see them at different in different situations, um, good, bad or indifferent. And then we also have some other roles, such as working in our property and evidence room, helping us with lost and found and processing those things. And they really kind of get to see the inner workings of some of those things on the back end and, and police services. Um, so those are two opportunities. Um, we do have some other things that I think, um, like Haley Foster and our publications can can kind of roll into that as well and, and, and offer some help with that. And uh, we just got done talking about hiring and recruiting. Um, you know, we always can use hands to, to go with us to some of these job fairs and career fairs and help us, you know, publicize ourselves a little bit, help us with the setup, help us with the teardown, and then just kind of uh, just be – those folks to, to offer answers to questions. All right. Well, we'll get you out of here on the last word. We'll okay. Give it to you. All right. Well, thank you. First and foremost, I want to say thank you for this opportunity. Um, this is exactly what university police services is about is being out and engaged in the community beyond, you know, behind a, in a patrol car or in our office or wherever it might be. It's out talking to folks like yourselves and then using this platform to be able to get out the word uh, on a broader scope. So thank you so much. Um, I have been with University Police Services for th- three months now or close to three okay. months. So I'm still very new and very fresh. But I, I got to say that this is probably the, the best situation I could have ever hoped mm-hmm. for. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, to continuing the, the good work that not only uh, the university and the staff members uh, are doing here, but also the, the men and women of uh, University Police Services. Well, we, we are so grateful to have you here and um, welcome back. Okay, thank you. <laughs> welcome I, back to I, the, where you're from. I appreciate that. I don't know, the Welcome Back Carter theme just started playing. <laughs> just starts playing in your head. Most folks are too young. Like, <laughs> no one else probably knows what the heck that was, but yeah. the Welcome Back Carter team just started, theme yeah. just started playing in my brain. Yeah, I got that. And you know, none of us can ever hear it enough, but we certainly appreciate all the support that the university community receives from police services. Uh, we appreciate just the interactions with the police officers on campus. They're Great. they're exceptional. Great. And I know whenever we call for support, always responsive, timely, and very professional in how they manage the situation and de-escalate situations. So, so the work that you all do is much appreciated. The training is much appreciated um, for our teams that you mm-hmm. all do. 
And I do have one recruit for you. He's only seven years old at the moment. Okay. My, son, my son, Landon, he's obsessed with becoming a police officer. Okay. You know, I love so. it. I love it. It's awesome. Well, thank you for saying that. That, that means a lot um, for not only myself, but everyone that who, who dons the, the uniform and the badge. So thank you. And, uh, you know, send Landon my way. We'll start chatting, take him out for a little <laughs> ride. Uh, you know, uh, I'm good with that. So oh, yeah. I wanted to just add. Okay. The thing that we don't often see and that we don't often know is that the times that we've had to interact at CAPS, it's always been compassionate. It's always been considerate. They've always been very thoughtful about how they engage with students, you know, Good. and I think that makes so much difference because if you're in if you're in a crisis environment, the mm-hmm. last thing you want to do is and have anxiety. And whenever we've um, engaged on any level right. with the university police officers, it's always been very compassionate, kind a service yeah. that we've received. Well, well, that's great to hear. It really, it really means a lot to me um, because we, you know, that is one of the hard, hard things to really instill in officers. Not today in today's day and age, because I think what we have here is an understanding that policing is different than mm-hmm. it always has been, and just like everything, we need to adapt and change uh, to figure out how we serve people and serve our community best. Yeah. So, thank you for mentioning that. That means that means a lot. Thank you for keeping us safe. Okay, I do Remember, my best. Remember, we, we were deputized. Okay, so I'm going to go arrest some folks. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I saw someone litter. Did you? I'm kidding. <laughs> so, I'm kidding. That's a wrap. For more Let's Talk UNLV, be sure to follow us on social media where you can get the latest updates on the show plus great behind-the-scenes content. We're on Facebook at Let's Talk UNLV Podcast, Twitter at Let's Talk UNLV, and Instagram at Let's Talk UNLV Pod.